American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of American Hammers Radio. I am your host, Tex of the Fresno Irons, and joined as always for Season 2, Episode 14. That's right. He's been with us for a long time now. I think we can officially say he's part of the gang. Give it up for Liam Bright. Liam, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. And honestly, it does feel like I think this episode, I actually feel welcome. I think before I just sort of felt like that awkward guest that, you know, stopped by the house and just really doesn't know how to exit gracefully. But now I feel like I'm uh, welcomed part of this uh, American Hammers radio family. It only took fucking a season and a half. So thanks about that. (laughs) Hey, uh, you know, as a West Ham, you know, you've got to earn your right. You've got to earn your stripes here in the Claret and Blue. And and Liam, we want you to know that we've officially decided that you're a part of this thing. So congratulations on being official. Nice. My loan (laughs) deal has been made permanent. How exciting. (laughs) Oh, well, guess what, Liam? We're in fucking fifth. We were in fourth, but after today's results, we are now in fifth place. And I want you to wrap your head around this. You've been rooting for West Ham United since 2000, okay? Since 99, since 99. Fucking it. (laughs) I apologize. It was a year off. I've been rooting for West Ham United since 2010. Both of us can confidently say this is the best start to a season West Ham we've ever seen. We know they've been better in the past, but holy shit, they're sitting in fifth. And not only that... They're doing things in the FA Cup. Normally, when we go out against a team like Donchester, we struggle and we find a goal late or they find a goal late and we're out. Not this time. We go out there 4-0, professional-like performance. At no point was the game ever in doubt. We look like a team that's clearly in form, that is going to make a run in the Cup. I mean, it looked incredible to watch them play in that game. And then... They turn around and have to play Crystal Palace on Tuesday. Now, look, Crystal Palace, for some reason, we've talked about this because last year they did it to us twice. We struggle against this team. This is a team that puts on Jordan IU late and he gets a fucking dumbass goal because we fall asleep and they end up winning the game or stealing a point from us. This game... We go down in the third minute to who other than Wilfred Zaha, the titty baby himself, um, <laughs> scores scores a goal. And I remember thinking in my head, I go, well, you know, we had a good start, but this is typical fucking West Ham. Here we go. No, that is not the case. West Ham United said, uh, no, we're going to drop our nutsack here. Um, beautiful ball in from my favorite player, Pablo Fornells, into <laughs> Mikel Antonio, pulls it back, Suchek, Thunder cunts it into the back of the net um, with his head. Then it's 1-1. Then we get another goal from Suchek again, who I swear is unstoppable on set pieces. We go up 2-1, and then the lone man, Craig Dawson, puts another thunder thunder strike in with his head into the back of the net to give us a 3-1 win. Well, it should have been 3-1. But of course, West Ham United and, you know, anybody that's linked with West Ham as a possible move, you get a customary goal when you play us. So Michi Batshuayi, Batman, comes on and he gets his customary goal. So we have to take a 3-2 win. little disappointed in that. I'm, I'm curious if that moment is telling or not, Liam. But holy shit, West Ham United are sitting in fifth place in the Premier League 
And right now at this moment, you can confidently say two things. They might be playing the best football in the Premier League, maybe the exception of Manchester City. And they are clearly, without question, the best team in London right now. Holy shit. What are your thoughts on the run of form that the West Ham United Irons are on? Well, you got to, you know, you got to take this into perspective. I mean, we have seen, you know, for you the last decade, for me the last two decades plus, where this has been a team that categorically has struggled, categorically has fallen apart uh, when it matters the most. And, you know, even dating back to the first season when I watched, when it was Harry Redknapp's uh, West Ham that finished fifth, and we were only on 33 uh, points by the end of January at right now. So the fact that we're on 35 and we're doing better than that team, which, you know, other than the, the team of 86 and then, you know, obviously the 75 and 80 uh, FA Cup winning teams. I mean, this is massive. Like, this is a huge, huge, huge deal to have, uh, you know, these kind of players, this manager, this board that we absolutely still loathe. But to see the results that we're getting on the pitch, uh, it, it's mind boggling. I don't understand how, you know, how Moyes has been able to pull the strings for players that have been here for seasons, but he is getting the absolute best out of this team right now. And, you know, you said it earlier with Crystal Palace, you know, we failed both games against them last season. And this time we were able to nab four points off of them. I mean, that's huge to me. That is, that shows that this is a team that even going one down early, three minutes into the match are still able to pull themselves together and, and get that finish. With the with the goal from from Batty at the end there, I'm not even I'm I'm a little bit disappointed in the defense for letting that occur, but I'm more disappointed with the refereeing because one you added six minutes of extra time, which is completely due to the Palace players laying on the floor. I mean, at, at one point you called it, and it was when uh, Kuyate and somebody else had collided with their heads and were just laying on the ground for like three minutes straight. And we already knew from the other times that Palace was, you know, basically just cunting around the field that this was going to happen. And then it was even past the sixth minute and they still hadn't blown the whistle. And it's not like we were, you know, like dragging our feet trying to draw up the clock at that point. But the whistle should have been blown. The ball was at midfield. It still gets played in. You know, we kind of fall asleep. That goal goes in. I would have loved to have had the better goal differential, but three points is three points. I don't care. Like, if, as long as we're getting the three points, I don't really care what the scoreline is at the end of the match. And it puts us in fifth place. And we're in, we're in contention not just for the title, but absolutely for European placement. Like, this is fantastic. This is the West Ham we'd always hoped we could see, and we finally do. It's uh, Liam, it's we're so jaded as West Ham supporters. And I'm not just speaking for myself. I think all West Ham supporters will agree with what I'm saying. You always have that air of what's going to go wrong in your head. You're like, this is, it's too good to be true. It's kind of like you meet the right girl. She's got great legs, a great ass, great tits. She doesn't have a baby daddy. You know, she's, she's got a decent job. And in your head, you're like, did she used to be a man? Like what, what is going on here? It's not quite uh, computing in my head that, that I can be this lucky to find this person and right now as a West Ham supporter, it's very much, when is this going to come crashing down? And I'm not saying that to be pessimistic. I'm not. I'm saying that because that's a legit fear that we've all had. But I will confidently tell you that right now, I don't think that day is coming. I think this team is very solid. I do expect a bad result 
here and there between the end of the season. But I don't think we're going to fall into the quicksand like we have in the past. I don't think we fall into the quicksand like we did under Slavin Bilic. I don't think we will like we did um, under Manuel Pellegrini. Because you have to remember, even the first time David Moyes joined, we didn't have a bad run of form. We weren't that good of a team at that time. And so we struggled against the, the, the top teams. But we never had like a run of bad form. Like against... Remember, Pellegrini, I think, started his West Ham regime with four consecutive losses or something like that. And so, and then Slavin Bilic had this beautiful run. And then after that run of the first season and finishing, and I think we finished eighth that year. If everybody remembers, the last five games of the year, we lost four of them. The only game we won (laughs) was the last game at the Bowl Inn, and we had to come back to do that against Manchester United. So, it's such an incredible situation that I think we're sitting in. And I said this on, um, on another show and and I'm going to repeat it. Everybody, I've been very clear and adamant about how I feel about David Moyes. And I'm, I'm still not going to change my tone, even though I absolutely should. (laughs) I'm not going to David Moyes. The best credit I can give him is he has done something at this club that no other manager has been able to do basically since Sam Allardyce. And that is clean out the rot. Like there was something rotting inside this club that was taking away from the performances on the pitch. And Aaron Cresswell has said it multiple times. He has never seen a spirit this high since he's been at West Ham United. And I, I'm just, I, I look at this game and I go, Okay, I don't like conceding that goal at the end. And I'm curious. It I think the pessimistic fan in me goes, Well, is that a sign of things to come? You know, that we fall asleep when we think we're good. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I watch that all the time. That's a pretty damn good job by Mitchie Batshuai just to even get that strike off. You know, like yeah. he sorts his feet out really quick, he gets it off, it goes through the legs of our defender, and Lucas Fabianski just loses it and you know, he doesn't see it in time. And I don't think it's a sign of anything to come. And I, I'm trying to be optimistic here. I look at that game, and I'm telling you right now, even with that goal, if they gave us 15 more minutes, I think we put in another goal and we went at 4-2. I just think yeah. we were clearly the better team all game long. We had two poor moments. And that's the thing. We don't have the mistakes that we normally do that lead to goals. Now, in that game, we had two, and they led to two goals. But we fought back. We responded with something I haven't seen a West Ham team ever do since I've been supporting them. Well, think about this. We had 17 shots on goal, and Mickey Antonio hits the pole twice. You know what I mean? Like, if if he buries those two shots, this is a vastly different game. Uh, I want to say, didn't Dawson have another header that went just wide of the post? I mean, there was there were multiple times that we were we were really close. Suchek had a shot that he just didn't get enough uh, pace underneath it. I think you had said if he had put it in the air, he would have nicked it past the keeper. Uh, Fornals also took a shot outside the box. Ben Rama takes like three or four shots outside the box. They're always on frame, but he just doesn't have the right angle to put it away. So I, I'm with you on this one, man. I think that this was a dominant performance and the scoreline is deceptive. 
right? We should have had vastly more goals and really Palace putting in those two are because of a mistake in the beginning and a mistake at the end. Now think about this though. Those mistakes are what cost us the games against Arsenal and Liverpool earlier this season. And with us having Liverpool this weekend, those are the type of mistakes we absolutely cannot make because that is the difference between three points or one point or no points. Because with Liverpool, I'm content with a draw. I think we could take a win. I absolutely think we can beat them, but I will be content with a draw because at least then we're not dropping any points uh, coming out of that game this weekend because we absolutely need to need to take every point that we can to keep ourselves within that top five. I, I'm going to say one thing about the, the first time we played Liverpool. Don't forget there was a bullshit penalty called on a phantom yes. flop by Mohamed Salah. We should have gotten a point out of that game. You know, yes. um, their one goal from open play, kudos. Yeah, they earned it. But mm-hmm. the but the penalty, the penalty should have never even occurred. West Ham United um, had a penalty shot themselves that didn't even get called. Although I don't think it was a penalty. I want to go on record, but they could have called it in favor of us. Um, to me, to be a hundred percent honest with you, Liam, the mistakes that we normally make, we're still making, but our work rate kudos to David Moyes, is the reason that they don't end up being goals. We still make mistakes all the time. I still bad giveaways, but we hustle back. Um, and when, when you have hungry players, players that want to make things happen, like a Saeed Benarama that's that's running around. Now, granted, Benarama gives the ball away a little too much, I think, for both of our likings and David Moyes. But, I mean, this team, it's resilient it's talented and I look up and down our roster and I don't see a lot of players that I really want to move out of the side. And we have players that are injured right now that aren't even out there that are, I mean, I Arthur Masuaku, you know, I mean, remember when Masuaku plays, we get to play three at the back. And when we were playing three at the back, we were pretty damn dangerous. And so, well, yeah, because look at look at what we did to Leicester and Wolves, and then after that, you know, we had maybe two or three more matches before Matsuaku goes underneath the knife. And I think you and I were even saying that it's it felt like there was something off with Arthur. It did not seem like he was the same player that he was in those other matches. And I think that getting more game time exacerbated his issue, and that's why he had to have the surgery. And I'm I would much prefer a fully fit firing on all cylinders, Arthur Masawaku on that, um, you know, like on that left-hand side, especially if he could partner with Ben Rama, the way that you and I would anticipate that, that he should. And if we go to that three at the back, I think that we are more solid defensively with Cresswell as that, that uh, left center back, as opposed to, to playing a fullback and bombing up that left-hand side. Although he has absolutely been clutch even in a back four. So I think either way, and this is something that I really like, that we can change the formation. If we're doing a back five, it gets to halftime and it doesn't look like it's working. We could switch to a back four and be able to bomb more numbers or at least uh, try to overwhelm the midfield a bit more. And let, let's let, let's be honest. Thank God for West Ham United because we had such a shitty 2020. And West Ham have not lost in 2021. <laughs> wrap, 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 wrap your head around that. Like, thank you, West Ham United, for starting 2021 off well. Uh, I absolutely love what this team's doing. So th- this brings me to the big question I want to ask you here, Liam, and I, I want to dive into this. What is this West Ham? Like, what are they? Like, if you had to describe this team in three words, what are those three words that you would use to describe them? Because 
I'm telling you right now, this West Ham team, it's the best I've ever seen. And there's not, I mean, it's they don't have the best player I've ever seen play for West Ham. That's obviously Dimitri Payet. But this team, I take over the Payet team any day of the week. Any day of the week. Hmm. I I would I would agree with that 100%. I think that this team uh maybe not talent-wise is better than the 2015-2016 team, but uh I would say their work rate absolutely is through the roof and that even with some of these players being on that same team and younger versions of them, a la Mark Noble, Aaron Cresswell, uh Mikel Antonio, you know, players that have developed. I mean, maybe not so much Mark Noble cuz he's gotten a little bit older, legs have gotten a little bit slower. Um you know, but the experience, the um, the focus, and the the captaincy, right? What 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 Mark Noble is able to still bring in the locker room, right? That leadership, I think that's that's incredibly important. You know, the the words that I would use to describe this team is tenacious. Uh, I think courageous as well. I think they're not afraid to go and and battle when need be. As I said, tenacious in terms of not giving up the fight, not giving up the ghost. Uh, you know, even even when giving up a, an early goal. Um, you know, and I think the the man the third word. Let me think of something that that really embodies this team. Oh man, I can't even think of something. Uh, I, I mean, just the idea. Well, I would say teamwork, right? I think that these guys, these guys, to me fight for each other. You know, we've heard stories that uh, Thomas Suchek and uh, Vladimir Sufal have been staying late after training, coming in on days that they're not supposed to be training and still training. And that has actually rubbed off on the other players on the team. Uh, Aaron Cresswell has been staying late to do free kicks and practice crosses. I think Jared Bowen's been doing the same thing. Uh, Mark Noble's been coming in. It, this is awesome to me when you've got just a handful of players that their work ethic is through the roof and it forces the other players to kind of reevaluate the way that they're approaching football at this club and that what makes them want to step up their game, to raise their game to the level of those players. And I think that's ultimately why we have the team that we have. Um, what's his name? Matt Doyle, who is known as the armchair analyst in, in MLS, um, uh, I, I know that he used to say, you are who you are at midseason. So by midway through the season, your team has pretty much shown who they are going to be this season. West Ham has shown they are absolutely top half fighting for European placement. Um, I would love to say we're going to go on a cup run with FA Cup. I actually think we can do it. Um, and I would love to to contend for the league title. But I'll be happy with with a finish up around that fifth, fourth place. I mean, that's that's massive to me. What about for you, Tex? Like, where, what do you think of this team? Three words, and it's very simple. Number one is grit. This team fights. They go through anything. No matter you put them down 3-0, they're going to find a way. And Lanzini's going to come on and put a thunder kick bolt into the corner. Uh, so I, I think grit definitely defines them. Um, I also think belief is a big thing for them um, because they, they clearly believe that they have a chance to win every single match. You know, even when they're down three Oh, they believe they can get back into it. Um, and then I think the, the most important one of all, and you know, you attributed to it, but it's their ability to work as one unit, a team, you know? Um, so the final word that I choose is, is work rate. I know that's two yeah. words. I'm going to hyphenate it to cheat. But <laughs> it's like Spider-Man. You know, it's they still work. work. They, still they, they put in the work. And, and here's the thing. All right. 
I went back and I looked at it because there's been nobody on this show more critical of David Moyes than myself. Now, granted, it's only two people, but <laughs> nonetheless, I looked back at what made those Everton squads so good. And I looked at their rosters. They never really had like these elite players. They had good players, but they were always, I think under David Moyes, he went through a run of six years, never finishing below sixth place, you know? And so the guy clearly knows how to be successful in the premier league. Um, he goes to, you know, we, it's documented what happened at Manchester United. It's documented what happened overseas. It's documented what happened at Sunderland. But at the end of the day, David Moyes at this moment, this team is an extension of him on the pitch. They're playing his football. They believe in what he wants to do. I'm a firm believer that the reason you're not hearing much about Declan Rice wanting to leave is because I think Declan really likes playing for David Moyes. I think I think David Moyes has given him a green light, has given him the armband when Mark Noble's not on the pitch, um, allowed him to express himself, is giving him a license to go forward, partnered him with a player and said, hey, look, this guy that I'm going to stick you next to is going to change your career. And Thomas Suchek absolutely has made Declan Rice even better. And we thought that, you know, Declan is young and he's only going to get better, but He's taken a massive leap because of what Thomas Suchek can do. Um, how good does it make you feel when your boss listens to you? Well, I think I think David Moyes listens to his players and does things. Yeah. Remember, the players earlier this year talked about Arthur's got to be on the field. Masawaku's got to play. Well, then the next thing we know, Arthur's starting every game. All of a sudden, Thomas Suchek goes, hey, I, you know, my buddy, my my countryman, Vladimir Sufal played with me at Slavia Prague. I mean, he, he, you know, I know we need a right back. He's phenomenal. Vladimir Sufal is on the team and pretty much starts every game now. Yeah. When you listen to your, your guys and you and then you do what they ask you to do, that creates a belief and a standard of trust that I don't think this West Ham team has ever had. I don't think we have a single player on our roster right now that will not walk into the manager's office just to have a laugh. Like I, I yeah. firmly believe that he has created this culture at our club and it's incredible. And I, that brings me to my big question for you. And this is what I wanted to get to. This is the big one. We are now 20 games into the season sitting in fifth place. And you said it most of the time at mid season, this is who you are. So we think we know who West Ham United are. We have a pretty good indication. What was the turning point this year for you when you go, all right, this team is something different? Tottenham. Hands down the Tottenham match. Because when you think about the, the the games of old, right? You know, when, when we're playing teams like Crystal Palace, when we're playing teams that are, you know, down in, in the bottom there, like Burnley, you know what I mean? Yeah, we might struggle. It might be like a, an ugly 1-0 win or a 1-1 draw or even 0-1 uh, loss, but I think to be down three goals at half and then still come back out that second half. And, and really like we didn't look bad, uh, for a good portion of the first half other than, you know, just letting in those three goals. But then you look at coming back through at halftime, which obviously, you know, Moyes had to have said something in the dressing room or, you know, the players rallied in that dressing room, come back and battle till the 82nd minute before the first goal goes in. And then using that momentum to get a second goal, bring Lanzini on and get the stoppage time winner. 
at that point, I firmly believe that not just the team knew that they could come back and at least draw, if not beat any team in this league. But I think the fans, like us as supporters, really started to pay attention. You know, when I was on West Ham Twitter and there's all the the news going on that, oh, we're looking at this guy, looking at that guy, you know, as it does every time we are, we're in a transfer window and everybody starts to, to get frustrated, right? Because it sounds like West Ham's tied to every fucking player in the, in the world. But when it started to really narrow down and we knew what was going to happen, like Saeed Ben-Rama getting, uh, you know, uh, his loan deal turned into a permanent, right? Jesse Lingard possibly coming on loan. People, I saw more and more people were putting, if this is what Moyes wants, then I'm going to back him. I trust Moyes. And I don't think I've ever seen that. I have never seen the supporters really get behind the manager in that regard. I mean, we were critical of Fat Sam, like, from day one. Um, Even with Billich, you know what I mean? A former player. Uh, People still question his sanity time and time again. Um, You know, with with, with Moyes on the first go-around, nobody was a fan. With Pellegrini, you know, we loved the big name, but then same thing. We were like, what the fuck is this guy thinking? Why why is he bringing this player? Why is he doing this? Why did we lose again? and then Moyes coming back, nobody wanted it. Nobody asked for Moyes, Moyes the sequel. And here we are saying, like, in Moyes we trust, the Moyesaya. Like, <laughs> what the fuck has happened? And to me, it is, Moyes is what happened. He got this team to function on a level that he knew the potential was there. He just made them realize it was there. But what about for you, man? Like, I know for, I know you're not a huge uh, fan of the Tottenham game, but your boy Lanzini scored that equalizer but I'm interested to hear what you think man so i here's 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 the turning point for me this is the moment that west ham united that i knew that this team was different and i i tried to keep it uh my mouth shut a little bit on it but if you go back and listen to the episode after we did the game i did i did say this team is different now because of that quality of the win so i'm going to give you it's kind of a hybrid moment we play um, against Arsenal in the second game of the year, and we dropped that game 2-1. We should have gotten a point out of that game. Okay, We fell asleep late. We made a stupid mistake late, and we went down 2-1. And I remember watching the team's reaction as they walked off the pitch. There was some high-fiving going on, and they, guys keeping their heads up like, hey, it was like, oh, we're disappointed. You know, We know we should have got a point, but it is what it is. And I remember as a West Ham fan being like, you guys always do this, like fucking dark days ahead. Here we go. We're getting relegated. Well, our next Premier League match was against a team that since they've been promoted, we have never beaten. And that was <laughs> Wolverhampton Wonders. With um, a manager who I can't stand, um, with a side that I don't think is as good as people think. And finally this year, it looks like I'm, I'm finally right on those assholes. But I'm going to tell you right now, they went out in that game, Liam, and they won four nil and they dominated. And yeah. there was not one point in that game that they ever looked like a side that was going to concede one. And they ever looked like a side that was going to lose two. They dominated from whistle to whistle. Uh, they looked good at everything they did. And that was the moment that I knew that this team was different. Now I'm going to admit, I didn't think we'd be sitting here right now. I will admit right. that, but I knew that there was something different about this team because In the past, West Ham United fall into quicksand, and they continue the bad run of form, but it didn't matter. Yeah, we lost to Arsenal. We know we should have got a point. They went out there, and they put it to Wolverhampton Wonders. And this is a Wolverhampton team that was fully healthy with 
uh, Raul Jimenez, their their striker, and we beat yeah. them four 0 So my my whole point, and I think the moment that everything changed and West Ham United, maybe not everybody was aware of it, but I I felt the tickle on my beard. I felt the tickle that this was going to be a different team. Um, I I'm not saying that I knew we would be sitting in fifth, so don't blast me for that. But I knew that there was something different about this team because we don't win games like that. That's not right. a game that we win. Since I've rooted for West Ham United, when somebody's got our number, they always have our number. Romelalo Lukaku, uh, Callum Wilson. I can go down the list of all these guys that when they have our number, they do what they do. You know, Callum Wilson plays West Ham. Um, just so you know, we're going to give him his customary goal in the 28th minute. You know, so like- it's just... What was it? Peter Crouch was another one that always yeah. seemed to find find the back of the net. But I think yeah. that that, but when you think about that too, man, right? Like uh, at that point, we were still playing the back five, and I'll I'll be honest, I don't think anybody was able to figure us out early days. But then you know, as it started to go on, I think that's where teams started to understand how they were going to play against us. And then when we had to go back to the back, when we had to revert to the back four, that's where I think we started to stumble a little bit and we were like oh, okay well you know we had a couple a couple of good games but this is going to be typical West Ham we're going to be 13th to 15th it is what it is and I think we've even said on the show it's probably we're probably going to land around 12th to 15th I don't think either one of us really knew that this was the potential that this team uh had to achieve and now at this point I almost think anything less than fifth is is going to seem like we dropped the ball. Like, if they keep their foot on the gas like they are right now, there's no reason we can't maintain the position we're in now, if not push even higher. So you're jumping in to the next part here, and I and I love that you're doing that because we have to, I think we can confidently do this. We, we have to kind of look ahead, okay? Um, you know, obviously, we close out the month with, with um, Liverpool, and then we have three games in March. We play Leeds. Manchester United and Arsenal. So three of our next four games are against the traditional big six. I think this is going to be the most telling period for West Ham this year, depending on what they do in this time is going to really determine how high we can actually finish. Obviously Sunday, um, 830 AM, 8:30 AM out here on the left coast. It's 1130 back home on the East. Uh, when we're looking at this, we are home to Liverpool, home to Leeds, away to Manchester United, and then home again to Arsenal. So the nice thing is three of, I mean, yeah, three of the next four are at home. So when we look ahead at the table, we're currently sitting in fifth place with 35 points with a plus six goal differential. Um, where There's a game in hand for Tottenham, two for Everton, and then Aston Villa still have two. <laughs> so Aston Villa are still behind. Um, above us, Manchester City, who's sitting on top of the table, they have a game in hand. So in theory, we're nine points off the top. You know, it's only six at the moment, but, I mean, Manchester City most likely wins their next game. So right. we're, we're nine points off the top, and we're only two back of fourth. All right? So the Champions League spots are clearly in reach for West Ham United. Here is so wait, my. So wait, you were saying it's we've got Liverpool on Sunday, but then after that, I've got Villa away. Oh, did I hit? Uh, I think you had said Leeds, but I want to say it's yeah, it's Villa on Wednesday the third. 
and then Fulham away, Man U in the FA Cup, and then Sheffield at home. Oh, I hit the wrong month on my app. I hit March. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. You're good. You're good. Yeah, so so March. No, you're right. With with March, that is harder, right? Because we're looking at... um, uh, sorry, we're looking at Leeds, we're looking at Man U, Arsenal, and Wolves. But th- this next run, Liverpool, Villa, Fulham, um, Man United for the in the Cup, and then Sheffield at home. Um, looking at that stretch, I actually think that that's a lot of points that can be picked up. I think Liverpool, I'm, I'm going to be cocky here. I think we get the win. Villa, I, I'll be honest, man, for whatever reason, I hate that team. I hate that. I, I don't like, I haven't liked that team in the past. I hate them this year. They are absolutely the Olympic diving team this season. And it has been incredibly frustrating to watch, not just when they play us, but anybody they've played, they just flop around looking for, for free kicks and penalties. Um, Fulham is what Fulham is. I mean, it's, sorry for Scotty Parker, but I don't see a whole lot of hope for that, for that club. Although they did just recently get a win. So who knows? Um, and then Sheffield, same thing. I, I I still think we can we can nick out a win uh, for those for those ones too. So looking at the next four matches, I think anything less than ten points is is a failure. First off, I apologize and hopefully uh, <laughs> clicked the wrong fucking month on the app. What an idiot! Um, it's yeah. all right. It's your first. It's your first. <laughs> it's your first uh, podcast. So, you, you know, we'll get there. Oh shit! So we have. Aston Villa Fulham, uh, we obviously we're in the FA Cup game. I'm not going to look at the FA Cup game because that's not no. about Premier League play. Then we have Sheffield. Then we end the month with some tough ones against Tottenham. Um, but we get Tottenham at home and we have to go to City. Um, we look at these next run of games. You're right. We have the ability to pick up some serious points. Um, I really believe in my head that Liverpool, of our next four matches – in the Premier League, Liverpool is the only one that's tough. So we have an opportunity to really gain a lot of points here. And we're and I think that Aston Villa game is big just because they have so many games in hand. We got to distance ourselves from them. So yeah. we need to pick up that win. Uh, we need to go at Villa Park and get that win. I think it's massive. But I'm going to ask this question. You're looking ahead here, and obviously I'm already looking ahead to March here. But um, <laughs> you're looking ahead. Take off the Claret and Blue lenses. Remove yourself from being a West Ham supporter, as hard as it is to do, Liam. Trust me, I struggle with it too. As an unbiasedly as you can say, how high do you think West Ham United can finish? Well, I mean, looking at the looking at the run of games, right? Uh, and what we were just saying, if we beat the teams we're supposed to beat, and ex, uh, you know, especially for for this West Ham team, we've been decent at picking up points away. From home, right? Because that that's kind of the old adage, right? You win your home games, and if you could pick up points away, you know, you're you're doing even better. And I think that, you know, Liverpool at home, if we can get at least a draw, I'd love to see a win out of that one. Villa and Fulham away, you know, that Villa match, that's a six-point spread at that point because they do have games in hand. And if we can pull three points off them and make sure that one of those games in hand, they are, they're picking up no points, that's huge for us because that allows us, as you said, to, to create some more distance. You know, for Fulham, any team that's down in the relegation area, we should absolutely be, be taking it to them. Now, we know that they're going to be fighting like dogs to try to get themselves out of the bottom of the basement. And we just have to make sure that we put our foot on the door and keep them down there. Because ultimately, the more points that we can nab from those teams are the higher it rockets us up the table. 
you know, we did we we faced so many teams early on this season that we kind of have the sporadic little hits there. Like we've got Tottenham at home, Man City away, Man U away, Arsenal at home, you know, Wolves away, Leicester at home. Those are the only games that are going to be a little bit a little bit dicey. I mean, I know uh, Chelsea did three over us, uh, but you know they're looking like they're they're nosediving quite a bit there. I mean, they're down there. I want to say like eighth place, ninth place. Um, you know, I think for them and for Arsenal, those are points that we can absolutely pick up. I think we just had a bad a bad day the the last time we faced Chelsea. Uh, the only other team after that that I'm you know maybe a little bit hesitant on. I would say Everton, but really it's Brighton, man. I feel like we just never do what we should do against Brighton. They are that banana peel for us. Even this season, they they've been that banana peel. So I I I ideally, I think we probably end out about where we are right now. I'm gonna say between fourth and sixth. I'd say anything anything further back than sixth, we would have had to have either a, a massive injury happen to somebody or just other teams figure out our method of play and we just don't find a way to bounce back, which I don't see happening for this team. Okay. So obviously I've already looked ahead to March. Uh, that's, you know, the deep research I do here. Um, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to let you know the truth here. And this is what I firmly believe about this team. Saturday, excuse me, Sunday, God, I'm getting everything wrong. Sunday, is maybe the biggest game that I will ever watch for West Ham United outside of the last game at the Bowl Inn. And -hmm. I'm going to tell you why I believe this. And I think every West Ham supporter should follow my sentiment here. There is not a better time um, to be a West Ham United fan. Today, I watched the Liverpool match. I watched them play Tottenham, and they won the game. Okay, I want to point something out. The pundits said, oh, Liverpool's back. They're back. Liverpool scored all three of their goals on mistakes from Tottenham. Poor defending. Eric Dyer literally had an opportunity to clear a ball. For some reason, he lets it go, and it rolls into the path of uh, Sadio Mane, and he puts it away. Don't know why he did that. Okay? Um, Another ball ricochets out to Roberto Firmino after a save and he puts it back home. Now that may be the only legit goal. And then there was another defensive lap that happened where there was two defenders around one player and they sent the cross in and neither defender cleared it and he slotted it home for a goal. So all three goals today for Jurgen Klopp's men were on mistakes. Jose Mourinho is not going to be happy. He knows point blank that if they defend better, they win that game one Oh, So everybody talking about how great Liverpool played, let me make it very clear. They did not. They scored on mistakes, okay? That is what they did. You look at this game coming up, and I look ahead at the fixtures. Obviously, I'm very familiar with what's going on in March. But I look at the the fixtures for February, March, April, and May, and I'm telling you right now, this is what I'm going to say. When the question is posed to me, where can West Ham United finish? And I'm going to be... Here we go. Mark it down. We win on Sunday against Liverpool. We can win the league. Nice. I'm I'm calling it now, and I'm going to tell you why. You go win that game against Liverpool, everybody takes notice. It is a statement game that West Ham United are saying, we're here and we're not going anywhere. And you better get ready because Thomas Suchak is about to eat your potato salad. 
Like that, <laughs> that is what I think is on the, on the premise for West Ham United. Now we draw that game. I'm going to be happy about the draw, but I don't, I think I changed my expectation. I don't think we can win the league at that point. We are nine points in theory off the top of the table. And I'm just, I'm, I'm giving the win to Manchester city. Okay. I'm just giving them that, that win from that game in hand. You beat Liverpool. Then now everybody is going to take notice. And if everybody's taking notice, it's going to be big. And I'm going to attribute it to this. When Leicester City won the league, they had a massive game away to Manchester City. And everybody was like, well, if, if, if Leicester's for real, then, you know, they'll win this game. Not only did they win that game, they won it 3-0. Okay? Wow. They won that game 3-0. I remember that game because my buddy is a massive Manchester City fan. He didn't have the ability to watch the match. I had a premier, like I had NBC Sports Gold or whatever that shit was we used to have to buy. And I invited him over at 4.30 a.m. to watch that match. So he's sitting there. He's all excited because City are sitting there. If they win that game, they go top. If um, Leicester win, they go five points atop. Leicester whooped them. It wasn't even close. This is that <laughs> moment. This is our Leicester-Man City match against Liverpool. And I'm telling you right now, they did not look that good today. I don't care that they won 3-1. Um, Tottenham. It was Tottenham's loss, not Liverpool's win. And I'm telling you right now, Liam, we win this game, we can win the league. I'm saying it now. I said it right here. January 28th, 2021 at 10.55 p.m. in Fresno, California. Kyle, Tex of the Fresno Iron said, we beat Liverpool, we have the ability to win the league. I like it. This is the first... I, I would I would rank down that date as well as the first time that Kyle was ever positive about anything we've ever talked about on this show in the history of ever. So uh, I think that's I think that's pretty massive, man. And you know we were you know people were bantering and having a good time on Twitter after the game, and uh, you know myself and I had tweeted something out, and somebody else that I follow had tweeted something similar. Uh, was that we always pose the question during the FA Cup, would you prefer the cup or the league? This is the first time that I've really felt we could take both. And that is that is huge to me. The, the fact that, as you said, if we beat Liverpool on Sunday, I'll even go so far as to say when we beat Liverpool, knock on wood, when we beat them on Sunday, that is a statement. And then if we knock Manchester United out of the cup race, that's huge too. I think these are two absolute statements that West Ham can make that we're here we're here to play, we're here for real. And uh, I won't lie, man, when you think about uh this would be the first time West Ham wins the league in the history of the club and we do it before Spurs do, like that'd be pretty fucking cool. <laughs> so, um, I don't know, man. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but I I'm 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 basking in the positivity enjoy right it. now. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. I look, I don't give a crap. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to enjoy the run of former on. I'm going to enjoy this team. I'm going to enjoy what David Moyes is doing. I have no problem saying and fine, but fucking blow my ass up if I am wrong. But I'm telling you right now, I don't know how anybody cannot look at that situation and say, if West Ham beat Liverpool, they have to be in the title conversation. They have to be. 
Like, because we win that game, we overtake Liverpool. We move above them into fourth place. And and then we and then we're tied on games with a victory over them. Like I think you have to look at West Ham United differently. Well, and it what's really interesting too is there was a video clip that was making the rounds, and it was Kevin Sovacall from Good Morning Transfers, and he actually calls out the other pundits on the show because he goes he basically goes look. Here we are talking about Arsenal, who are in ninth place, before talking about West Ham, who are challenging for European positioning. He goes, we we as pundits, and I'm calling all of us out here, and one of the other guys was like, oh, we're going to get to West Ham, we're going to get to West Ham, and Kava just completely talks over him, and he's like, he's like, we do not show West Ham the respect they deserve, and I was like, Fuck yeah, dude. Like, it's about time because we kind of get used to it, right? We're usually the bottom half of the table. We know we're almost an afterthought for these pundits where they're going to give us like three second sound bites. And this is the first time a pundit actually called it out that, like, look, this is a team that's legit. They are in fourth place and we are overlooking them. We need to get our heads out of our asses. Arsenal is not the Arsenal of old. Chelsea is not the Chelsea of old, which, by the way, Fat Frank got fired. So, so long, Frank. Does that mean that now that you left, you got booted from Chelsea. Now you're going to shit talk them like you did West Ham. Fucking idiot. Anyways, it's it's interesting <laughs> to me, though, that now we are being recognized on multiple levels as the team that we are. You're 100% right. And uh, hint, hint, wink, wink. Uh, that might be where my yellow card's coming in on when we get to that point. <laughs> um, I, I'm just going to say this. I, I firmly believe what I said. I stand by it. Um, and it's very nice to shift gears here. Normally at this time, we're begging and pleading about West Ham need to bring in this guy and overpay for somebody in January. I can confidently say I don't, other than a striker, there's not much that West Ham United need. You know, I think there is a clear need for striker, but not a, they don't have to be a striker that needs to start because we have Mikel Antonio, but they do need to be a striker that we can run out there for three games in a row and be productive. And so now talking about these transfer situations um, obviously everybody knows Saeed Benarama has now been made a permanent player for West Ham United. The reason Woo-hoo! that has happened was to open up a domestic loan spot, which a Liam is going to get to who that person most likely is. Um, and then obviously there's a few other uh, situations we're looking at. I don't expect a massive transfer deadline day for West Ham United. We've never really had one of those since Harry Redknapp brought in, uh, you know, the two guys that saved us. Um, and Mascherano (laughs) and Tevez. So um, really when I look at this situation, I'm I'm pleased with our team right now. But Liam, let us know what is going on for West Ham United in the transfer market. So one thing that I thought was really interesting, though, about the the permanent deal that they made for Saeed Benrama was that that was like a 20 million pound deal, 22 mil, I want to say, whereas they could have gotten Craig Dawson for two to three. So it was interesting that out of the two domestic loans that we have, they went with the more expensive one, which why I think this is interesting shows me that, one, the board actually backs David Moyes' decision because I think the board of old would have absolutely said, well, here's the cheaper option. We're going to go with this one. And instead, I'm sure Moyes was like, no, Craig's, Craig's on a great run right now, but let's make sure it's sustainable till the end of the season. Whereas with Saeed, here's a younger person. We absolutely need to get this deal done, get it over the line, because this is the future of the club. This is somebody we're going to need for the next several years to help continue to propel this club forward. Uh, 
Now, with that being said, that has opened up the opportunity for another loan, which we have been tied with Jesse Lingard from Manchester United, who has fallen out of favor at the club. He has not featured um, as a starter since July uh, of the previous season, and uh, he has only made, I want to say, six appearances off the bench. So uh, definitely fallen out of favor with uh, with the staff over there, uh, with you know, with the management uh, with Gunnar Solskjaer. So I think that this is the opportunity for him, one, to to show that he still has the talent that everybody knows that he has and potentially battle his way back into uh, the, the uh, English national team. Uh, I know this hasn't been like officially announced as of the time that we were recording the show, uh, but Jesse Lingard himself had posted on his Instagram a picture of luggage saying uh, London bound hashtag hammer time. So at that point, we know the deal is done. We know that he's on, that he's on his way to London. Uh, the word was that the physical was actually going to happen in Manchester prior to him even making the flight to to get into London. Uh, and as long as the deal is done as of today, as of uh, Thursday, he should be eligible to uh, to appear off the bench in Sunday's game against Liverpool, uh, which I think could be could be massive for us to be able to have somebody of that talent of that caliber uh, slotting into the midfield to help re- reinforce the attack. Now, the other uh, thing that is very interesting, you brought up the idea of us still needing a striker to play kind of second fiddle to uh, Mikel Antonio. And let's be honest, we'll give uh, Andre Yarmolenko his due because he was fantastic against Doncaster in the FA Cup. But he has also showed that he is not a starting striker. I think that he works better as a striker as opposed to uh, the times that he's coming off the bench to replace Bowen. I don't like Yarmo as a midfielder. I think he holds the ball too long and he loses it in terrible positions. But I think as a striker, somebody that is pushed further up, he's great to play third fiddle to this next person, who is uh, He Chan Wang, who is from RB Leipzig. Uh, he wants a permanent move instead of a loan, uh, but RB actually wants to keep it as only a loan deal in case he does find his form that he had in the 2019-2020 uh, season, which was 16 goals across all competitions. So far this season, he only has one and is not in league play. Uh, so he has a, has had a much less productive season this year, but they know that the talent is there. The kid's only like 25 years old. I think he just turned 25 earlier this week. Uh, but West Ham is looking for uh, this to be a permanent deal. They're not looking, obviously, they're not looking for another loan, which is interesting. Uh, but RB does want it to be a loan. So we'll see if this is a deal that can get pushed over the line. Uh, I think young kid, good poacher style. He's like a younger Chicharito, uh, which I think could be really good playing off of Ben Rama and uh, Jared Bowen. And especially if you have uh, Jesse Lingard sitting behind him in that number 10 role, I think this is an attack that could look even more lethal to help us finish out the season where we know we can finish. So I'm going to make some comments here on Jesse Lingard. This is my only concern with the Jesse Lingard situation. I hope that this loan move doesn't require, like we have to guarantee him minutes on the pitch. I really hope yeah. it's not one of those situations. Those are the worst situations um, for any team to get in because if the player is out of form and you're required to play him, it's only going to take away from us because you can't, you can't, where Jesse Lingard's going to play, you can't hide him. He is going to, he is going to have to influence the game. And I'm really curious if, if he's even, I mean, based on what we have right now, I don't even know if he would be first choice. I think he has to earn that kind of like Craig Dawson did. You get your opportunity, you get out there and you prove that you should be there. You know? Um, so I, right now at this moment, I'm not sold that this is going to be a phenomenal move for us. I think it gives us phenomenal depth 
And I, I like the player a lot. And I think any player that's hungry and wants to prove something is always a good ass, asset for us to have. But I want to make it very clear. I'm not sold that this is going to propel us. I think the team that we already have is the one that's going to propel us. And it's nice to be in the transfer market and only be looking for depth rather than starters. Like that's huge for West Ham United. As far as the striker goes, I I, I got to ask you this question. A player like like Juan from RB Leipzig, yeah, look, I'm not trying to be mean to the German league. I'm not. But outside of Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund, they don't really prove that they can, that, you know, those other teams are up to that level. And really, Dortmund's not even on Bayern Munich's level. And so it's it's kind of this situation that I look at, to be honest with you, Liam. And I don't know if I really want that. I would much rather have a established premier league striker that we know who it is. Like we were linked with Danny Ings not too long ago and I got super excited. Same. You, know? you called me and we were yeah. like, we were peeing our pants. We were so happy. Yeah. yeah I, I, I like a guy like Danny Ings because Danny Ings only going to score you six goals, maybe six to eight. That's what he's going to get, but that's all we need from him. We don't need anything more. Um, I don't like it when we buy guys with the expectation they got to score double digit goals. Obviously, Josh King, you know, he's probably a guy that's only going to score five to seven. But again, Josh King is a, an established Premier League player that, that has done it before. And then obviously, it, you know, it looks like it's it's finally over. I don't think Marco Anatovic is coming. I've really felt like he was there for a little bit, but I think that ship has sailed, which is probably in the best interest of West Ham United and our locker room, to be yeah. 100% honest. But the, the more I look at it, man, uh, in this transfer market, I like the Jesse Lingard signing as long as we don't have any weird stipulations that, you know, he has to play X amount of minutes. I think I think he's going to prove his worth in the FA Cup games. I really believe that. I think See, he the, will prove himself then. The only problem is I don't know if Lingard is is eligible for FA Cup because I'd have to go back and see if he's appeared uh, even on the bench for uh, for Man U in any of their FA Cup games, because if he has, then he would be ineligible to be able to play for us. And I think especially against Manchester United. Um, the the other thing is with with Wang. Uh, the other issue is the goal production that he had in the prior season, the 2019-2020, was not with RB Leipzig. He was with RB Salzburg in the Austrian league at that point, and then he was transferred over to Leipzig because of the high goal production. So he has not found that form in the Bundesliga, which would be the 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 worrisome aspect about that because, like you said, the Bundesliga. To, and both of our eyes is nowhere near as difficult as the Premier League. So if he's having difficulty scoring in that league, would he see a similar dry spell if he came to us? But it's also dependent on who is he playing against, who is he playing with, and really what is his motivations uh, within the club itself. Well, right there, I'm I'm done with him. So I'm just letting you know, <laughs> right there, based on what you just said, I, I do not want that player. All right, it, it, we've been talking about it all show. We have to get to it now. It's a massive game on Sunday at 8.30 a.m. out here in Fresno, California. So if you find yourself in the area, hit us up. We'd love to invite you to our Zoom uh, our Zoom watch party. Um, huge, 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 huge match for West Ham United. It's a statement game. And it's also a statement game for Liverpool. Let's not forget, Liverpool have been a bad run of form. They have a massive win against Tottenham. And now everybody's saying, I even heard a pundit say it today on NBC Sports uh, Network, they said, all right, yeah, you beat Tottenham, but if you lose to West Ham on the weekend, then you know, you're right back in the same spot. So it's a it's a massive game for Liverpool. It's a statement game for West Ham United. 
Um, I cannot express how much this game is going to mean. And then here in Fresno, for those of you that listen to the show, obviously Liam and I are part of the Fresno Irons. Um, the Fresno Reds, which is the the Liverpool supporter group here, they're so sensitive. And I would love nothing more than to win this game and be able to troll them for the rest of the season. Because no matter what happens, be like, uh, it, didn't we beat you guys? <laughs> so um, it's absolutely, I mean, just for that in of itself, just in the Fresno uh, area, nothing better than the Fresno Irons to put one over on your supporter group. Uh, so this game, I, I, I'm beyond excited. I haven't been this excited for a match for West Ham United since I think ever. And I'm being honest with you because there's so much on the line in my head and I'm hope I'm not building it up too much, but I, I I've said it earlier and I'm saying it again. West Ham win this game. We are absolutely in the title conversation. And if we're not, we absolutely should be. And all these pundits are going to understand real quick. Hey, West Ham United is for real. If they didn't already know. Uh, so looking at this game, Liam, um, we're going to kind of, I want to ask you this. What, what do you think the gravity of this match is for West Ham? Are you with me? Do you think if we win it, it's definitely we're in the title contention? Or do you think this is a game that you you don't think it really uh, affects that either way? No, I think it absolutely does. And I think we're actually in a really good position for this because you got to figure we've got two days more rest uh, than Liverpool does because Liverpool played today. We played on Tuesday. Uh, I think a Liverpool that was winless in the four games prior to today, right? So out of the last five matches, this was their first win. Uh, whereas for us, out of the last five matches, we've won four and drawn one. So obviously, we looks, you know, by all points and purposes, we're looking like we're the team on, on fire. We're the team on form. They're the one that is completely inconsistent. Um, I'm actually glad that they, that they won over Tottenham because I think had they lost or drawn, they would be a much hungrier team going into Sunday. I think that going into Sunday, they're going to be uh, hopefully caught off guard. I think they're going to um, underestimate us going into that match, and it's a good opportunity for us to capitalize on that and really try to push for you know those early goals, especially you know with Thomas Suchek and fucking Craig Dawson rising like a salmon out of the water to get that <laughs> header on. Uh, but I got to credit Lee because uh, uh, Lee from American Hammers Network uh, was the one that was really saying that he wanted Liverpool to win that match solely for that reason. And I, I completely back his logic. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, but I think that this could be that turning point where not, to, not really a turning point because we're already on fire, but I think this is the opportunity for us to make a statement and show the league that we are, we are contenders for the title. I've, I'm, I'm, I I cannot contain my excitement. Like I wish Sunday would get here. All right, Liam, it's time for the game preview. Uh, hit me with your score and your man of the match. Okay. I think this is, you know, even with all that being said, I still think this is going to be a fairly close game. Uh, I'm going to say two, one, I'm going to say Liverpool's lone goal, uh, comes from a penalty because it's fucking Liverpool. Uh, but I think that they actually score their goal as an equalizer to us. I think we score first, then they score. I'm going to say we score off a set piece, uh, and it's probably going to be Ogbana. As much as I want to go with Suchek because that's the safe bet, I'm going to save him for the game-winning goal. And this one's not going to be a header. I think this one's going to be a, a scrum in the box, and he absolutely blasts it past the keeper. Uh, so I'm going to go with 2-1, Ogbana and Suchek with the goals. Uh, but the man of the match is going to be the man of every fucking match, Mr. Declan Rice. How about for you, Tex? What do you got? 
First off, phenomenal shout. You're a little wrong on the score, though. I will admit <laughs> that. Um, the final in this game will be 3-0 West Ham United. Fuck yeah, Will. Yeah, we are, um, we are going to, we are going to uh, let everybody know in the prim that we have arrived. We're going to own this team. We're going to outrun them. We're going to outwork them. Um, we are going to be more dedicated than they are. We're going to be hungrier than they are. This is a massive, massive game. Um, I'm telling you right now, I watched the Liverpool game today. All three of their goals were on mistakes by Tottenham. There was not one thing that they earned. They were gifted three goals by poor, poor, poor defending. Eric Dyer should not ever be allowed to play for the England national team after his performance today. I'm going to make that very clear. Um, but we're winning this game 3-0. And with the unfortunate luck that he had last week um, on, or on Tuesday, Mikel Antonio is going to have a brace. He's getting two. <laughs> and then the third goal, the third goal, and this man is going to announce, he's finally going to open up his West Ham bank account, will be Saeed Benarama. Benarama yes. is finally going to get his goal. I think you get an outstanding performance from Suchek. I think Suchek's going to, Suchek may set the plate on one of them for uh, either Mikhail Antonio or Saeed Benarama, but I'm telling you right now, big games call for your best players to rise to the occasion. I firmly believe Yes, Declan is our best player, but our next best player, in my opinion, and look, I know what Suchek's done. It's Mikel Antonio, and Mikel Antonio is going to rise to the occasion. He's going to finish in this game because I guarantee you right now, Mikel Antonio is over at Rush Green just practicing shots right now <laughs> at this very moment because he was so upset with himself against Crystal Palace because he should have had not one, not two, not three, but four goals in that game. Um, you go back and watch that game. He should have scored four times. We should have annihilated Crystal Palace. It should have been something like seven to two. Um, and I think that we're just on too good a form. And I think they're going to be prepared for Thomas Suchek, which is a big part of the reason Mikhail Antonio is going to get two. So that's that's my um, my score. My man of the match will be Mikhail Antonio because you get a brace, you're going to get it. Um, you expect any changes in the starting 11 for this match? No, I think we pretty much play the same 4-2-3-1. Uh, I'm actually going to pocket Lanzini over four nows uh, in that number 10 role. Uh, and I think he actually gets swapped out for Jesse Lingard. So I think I, I for me, I'd probably drop Ben Johnson uh, from the bench and I'm going to insert Lingard uh, over there in instead. And I'm going to drop B uh, Diop and put Balbuena on the bench just in case for whatever reason... Uh, Dawson uh, isn't really up to task for this one, but I, I completely anticipate him to be. What about for you? Any changes to your lineup? I, I go with the same starting 11. That includes keeping Fornals out there and Lanzini on the bench. And, you know, we all know how I feel about Lanzini, but I firmly believe that the right move is to send the same team out there after that dominating performance and you you continue to let them work. If, if Fornals is doing Fornals types things, then you pull him off at the half and maybe you go with Lanzini and maybe a double change and bring on Lingard. But I, I'm telling you right now, I don't want to see Lingard before the 65th minute. I just want to make that clear. If Lingard does make an appearance for West Ham United in this game, which I fully expect him to, um, I hope it's not till after the 65th minute because that means that it's working for us. Um, yeah. I think... Uh, I think I agree with dropping Diop from the bench, um, but I would drop Ryan Fredericks, not Ben Johnson. I would keep oh, really? Ben. Yeah, I'd keep Ben. I think Ben's been in better form. I think he's played better. I like that kid a lot. Um, I think he is the future 
uh, for West Ham United. So I want him to have as many opportunities as possible. Um, I do drop Diop um, and I do bring on Lingard for that, but I keep Balbuena on the bench for sure. Um, But I mean, if I made a change to starting 11, it would be Lanzini for Fornells if I did. But I don't think you do. I think Fornells had a really good game against Crystal Palace. Yes, he did some dumb stuff. Um, you know, he should have taken a shot and he let the ball go to uh, to Cresswell and then Cresswell sent it into Antonio and Antonio hit the post when Fornells should have just slotted it home. Um, right. There's just, just certain things like that bother me about him. But overall, I think that's what I think in this game. So again, you're going with a 2-1 Declan Rice man of the match. Your goal scorer is Suchek and Ogbana. Is that Ogbana. Yeah, yeah, I say uh, set set piece goals probably for both of them. I think we get two set piece goals and one from open play. I think both set piece goals are from Antonio, and the open play is a curler from Saeed Benarama. But I think we win that game 3-0. I really do. I think we're going to dominate them. And we could use the goal differential, so we'll take it. <laughs> All right, it's time for everybody's favorite part of the show. It's time for our yellow and red cards. Hit me with your yellow card, Liam. Okay, so for me, it's going to be the lazy defense that we that we showed at the beginning and the end of the Crystal Palace match. And don't get me wrong, I think that we were um, absolutely mustered against uh, Doncaster in the FA Cup. But for whatever reason, uh, when it's Crystal Palace, it's always those little ticky-tocky, you know, little slip passes right into the center of the box. And we just, we, we have not been able to handle it. And that would be my only concern going into the Liverpool game. So I really need Craig Dawson and Angel and Ogbana to button it up and make sure that they're partnering with Suchek and Rice to keep the center of the box completely locked down. What about for you? Oh, yellow card clearly goes. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I watched the transfer show. I watched goal zone after we won. I've watched all the other goal zones, even after Liverpool won. Um, I listened to certain uh, podcasts that I will not mention because I'm not going to give you credit. And I watch, <laughs> um, I watch uh, Sky Sports as often as I possibly can. Why the fuck are you not talking about West Ham United? This is my yellow card goes to you. Stop being enamored with the top six. Okay, just because the name is Arsenal doesn't mean you have to stroke their ego. Arsenal aren't what they are. Liverpool are on a bad run of form. I understand you're talking about the Manchester clubs because they're legit right now. But you're still talking about Everton. We beat Everton. You still bring up Wolverhampton more than you bring up us. Wolverhampton are in the bottom half of the table. Why the hell are you not talking about West Ham United? I was damn close to giving them a red card, but you'll find out why I didn't here in a minute. <laughs> so, Tell me your red card. It's the theatrics. You know what? It still kills me that the 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 refs are not handing out cards when these guys are flopping on the ground. Wilfred Zaha is throwing little temper tantrums. He gets shouldered off the ball by Craig Dawson in probably one of the most badass moves that Dawson has pulled since he tried to take the head off that one player in the first match that he was in. But, you know, he, he leaves the leg out and completely kicks Craig Dawson's leg out. And we knew it was coming. Like, I knew it was coming. I'm pretty sure I called it a minute before it actually happened. But these these players are getting away with absolute murder and our guys are working so hard to actually try to stay on their feet play legitimate football and these refs are just letting these guys get away with it so fucking buckle it down cancel the three at theatrics if i want to go see a fucking movie i'll throw it up on netflix get that shit sorted out what about you man 
My red card goes to David fucking Moyes. <laughs> David, you're getting another red card because you're filling me with hope. You're making this team play so well. You're making a lot of right moves. You finally figured out how to substitute. But I'm only giving you the goddamn red card because every time I do, we continue to play well. I'm just trying to keep <laughs> the good juju going. David Moyes, you get my red card. But hint, hint, wink, wink. I, I, I'm starting to fall in love with you, man. It's, you know, you like the <laughs> you like the fat girl who was nice to me every day in high school, and and now. I, I want to, I, I miss you. Uh, so I just want you to know, like, honestly, my red card goes to David Moyes. Although you have to remember, I'm only giving it to him because I'm trying to keep the juju going. All right. Um, obviously, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we, uh, we have a quick PSA as always want to let you know that uh, here uh, for the Fresno Irons, this is near and dear to our hearts. Um, if you ever feel alone or you feel like, you know, nobody is there for you and, you know, you need to make sure that you have somebody to talk to. Always know that uh, here in America, there's the National Suicide Prevention Line. It's 1-800-273-8255. Suicide something uh, that the Fresno Irons have dealt with on a personal basis. And we want you to know that if you're listening to the show, we are here for you. Feel free to reach out to us um, at AHR Radio. Um, uh, uh, Liam, what's our, what's our tag again? AHRWHU. Yeah. AHRWHU on uh, Twitter. Also, you can hit the Fresno irons through all social media platforms at, at Fresno irons. That includes Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, feel free to message us on any of those platforms. We would love to get a chance to talk to you and, and remind you that, you know, you are loved. You are part of the West Ham family. And we want you to know that uh, there is always a better choice to make than that one. Uh, Liam, let them know what it is in England. So you can reach out to Samaritans at uh, 116-123. And that, that allows you to, to connect to somebody. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're feeling alone, you're feeling, uh, you know, in the darkest of your days, especially, especially right now in COVID, right? Like this is the quarantine. This has been very difficult. I imagine for those that were able to walk or, you know, a short trip to be able to go to uh, London Stadium to watch our, our boys in Claret and Blue smash these other teams to smithereens. Uh, I'm sure this has been very difficult, but know that this, uh, there is an outlet there are always those of us out there that are willing to listen, willing to be that shoulder, that hand to reach out across the, across the pond. Well, it wraps up episode 14 here for American Hammers Radio. We're trying to do a better job. We're trying to get more consistent. Obviously, if you want to get involved in the show, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Um, also, you can reach out to us at, at American Hammers Radio. Um, I believe on all social media platforms, if you search that, you will find it. Um, and if you ever want to get involved with the show, feel free to drop us a line or hell, we may even have you on because who wants to listen to my ass anymore? Um, wow, the, the both of us. <laughs> Uh, thank you so much uh, again for listening. Thank you to Tim and Lee for providing us this platform as part of American Hammers Network. This is American Hammers Radio. Huge, huge fucking game on Sunday. Make sure you're watching. If you want to watch with the Fresno Irons, feel free to drop us a line. Send me your email and I will absolutely send you the Zoom invite. We'll love to get you involved with us and uh, you can hear all the dumbass shit that we say every moment. For Liam, I am Tex of the Fresno Irons. Liam. As always, come, come on, on you, you irons. irons.